Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams. This episode is sponsored by Kindred Bravely. Kindred Bravely is devoted to making life easier for pregnant and nursing moms. From their breast pads and non-skid socks to nursing bras and pajamas, the founder, Deanne, creates every piece with comfort, beauty, and function in mind. And her designs have even been recognized by Parent Tested, Parent Approved, the Crisby Awards, and Mom's Choice Awards. Deanne's vision came to life when she couldn't find any functional or comfortable pajamas while nursing her second son. She decided to design her own, and this led to one of her best-selling pajama sets, the Davy Nursing and Maternity Pajamas. Behind the scenes, Kidra Bravely employs more than two dozen work-at-home moms, who share Deanne's mission and values. The Kindred Bravely moms provide incredible customer service, share quality content, and engage with social media communities. You can find their pieces at kindredbravely.com and use promo code MIMOSA20 to save 20% off your purchase. Some exclusions may apply. And for today's episode, I'm welcoming on Krista St. Germain. She is a master certified life coach, grief expert, widow, mom, and host of the Widowed Mom podcast. When her husband was killed by a drunk driver in 2016, Krista's life was completely and unexpectedly flipped upside down. After therapy helped her out of the fetal position, Krista discovered life coaching, post-traumatic growth, and learned the tools she needed to move forward and create a future she could get excited about again. Now she coaches and teaches other widows so they can love life again too. I'm so thankful for Krista joining me today, being vulnerable and sharing her personal story, her journey, and how she's helping other women. We talk about the myths about grief stages, why you must take care of yourself first, how to move on, how to talk to your children about death and grief, and how you can help someone who is grieving. Again, I'm so appreciative that Krista joined me. Um, Krista, thank you so much for being here and being vulnerable enough to share your experience. I know that it helps so many other people that are in this space. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me, and I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started. Cheers. Krista, welcome to the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I am so honored that you're here to share your expertise, your personal journey, and everything that you're about to share with us. So first of all, thank you. Uh, Tell my listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Well, first, thank you for letting me come on and talk about grief. It's not always everyone's favorite topic, but you know, I think it's an important one. So yeah. So I stumbled into this work, honestly, it wasn't something I ever intended to do a little over five years ago. I was coming back from a trip and my husband was with me. We had driven separately and I had a flat tire and we pulled over on the side of the highway, went to change the tire. And as he was trying to get in my trunk, a driver came you know, we're on the interstate, 80 miles yeah. an hour, right up behind him. We later found out he had meth and alcohol in his system, crashed into the back of Hugo's car, you know, yeah. really unfortunate kind of life experience that I never anticipated. And so, you know, within a day he was, he was gone. So I wasn't really ever anticipating doing grief work, but, right. um, you know, on the other side of a really challenging journey, I've learned a lot of things. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it became, 
kind of became my life's mission is to help other widow other widowed moms learn yeah. lessons, right? Learn what I learned right. and figure out, you know, not just how to deal with grief, but also how to love life again, because there's this, you know, misnomer that we are supposed to somehow settle for this new normal that isn't really what we want. And, right. you know, I just don't buy into that. So that's what I teach people how to do is, is how to actually love life again, right? Yeah. After a loss. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of talk to us about, I guess, like the stages of grief, you know, because mm -hmm. I think you kind of say that this is a myth and you don't really believe in this box that I guess we have right. yeah, designed I mean, for people. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's just important to realize that just like anything, right, just mm -hmm. think about like, you know, weight loss, for example, there's a million right. different theories on weight loss, right? Right, right? And just like there's a million different theories on that subject, there's a lot of theories about grief too. And, yeah. you know, as we study grief and as what we, you know, know evolves, things change. So mm -hmm. the, the, the theory that seems to be the most popular is the five stages of grief. And the people who created that theory um, were originally not even studying what happens when you lose someone? They were studying, you know, hospice patients. They were studying what happens yeah. when you're coming to terms with your own death. And so their work was really misused, right? They were right. never trying to say, this is the linear experience that you're supposed to go through. You're supposed to be in denial and you've got to get angry and, you know, you have to bargain. You've got to be depressed. And, you know, th that's not what that was intended to really communicate to people. And we've taken this idea that there are stages and yeah. then tried to like force square pegs in round holes. Yeah. And then it just causes a lot of confusion. And so really, I think the, the better thing to understand is that it's completely unique. It's yes. very messy. It yeah. is not linear. There is no end to grief. You don't get over it, right? You just adjust yourself in your life around whatever the loss is for you. And it's not just death losses, right? It's all kinds of things apply when we're talking about grief. And it's really better to not try to compare yourself with anything you think you've heard about where you should be or what should happen, because it's usually not the experience you have. And then you end up feeling like you're doing it wrong, yeah. right? And there's just no way to do it wrong. There's right. just no way to do it wrong. And I just and can't even imagine, do. you know, like grieving, especially the loss of a spouse, you know, because not only are you grieving the person that is your spouse and the loss of that person, but you're grieving all of the experiences that you were supposed to have with that person. Right. Yeah. All the dreams you know? that you had for the future that you thought were going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And then when you have kids in the mix, you know, that's a whole yeah. nother layer of experiences that you're probably grieving as well. You know, not just this person that I was supposed to grow old with, but right. the guy that was supposed to walk my daughter down the aisle or, right. you know, all these things that we were supposed to go through the hard years of teenagers together. You know right. what I mean? And, and, and I, did, I like my heart just like goes out to all parents who are going through grieving a loved one, um, a spouse, especially, um, can you kind of talk to us about your grief journey and how that looks like to kind of normalize some of those feelings and yeah. the messiness of grief? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, in the beginning, in the beginning, um, <laughs> yeah, just that acute grief for me, that early grief for me was very numb and very just right. foggy and spacey. And so it was kind of like I could, I could rationalize intellectually that it happened, but yet my body and my heart just couldn't acknowledge that it did. And it felt like, you know, there was no possible way that this was really my life. I was going right. to wake up from a nightmare 
Um, and that, uh, you know, maybe he was on a business trip or something, but it was just a I lot of imagine. very surreal, very surreal. And just, yeah. yeah, just surreal is probably the best word for it. Um, I, I have always been a proponent of, you know, mental wellness and whatever we need to do to support ourselves. And so I immediately went back to a therapist that I had had before. Yeah. And so I found so that important. personally yet yeah, to be so yeah. beneficial, just be able to tell her what happened and talk about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to, I, I had a supportive environment and family and a lot of people don't, but I still didn't want to burden them with it. That's how I felt was that if, right. you know, talking about it would be a burden to them and they were trying to process it too. And so just to have that neutral third party that I could go to and talk about what happened was, was powerful for me. And then also there were some traumatic aspects of it, right? So just being there at the accident, seeing what I saw, hearing what I heard, you know, being there in the hospital, watching the CPR and, you know, all of that. So so there were those aspects to work through, right? Right. Which therapy was also very helpful with tapping. I'm also a huge proponent of emotional freedom technique and tapping. Very, very helpful for me because I would have a lot of, um, just, you know, anytime I saw a CPR scene on a TV show that was unexpected, right? Or yeah. I, d- I drive down the highway and you see somebody trying to change a tire on the car or you see an ambulance lights or any of those things would take even just the sight of a, a Dodge Durango, which was what my, my husband drove, would yeah. my heart would race and I would feel panicky and just right back where I was. And so um, some of those you know, tools and techniques were really beneficial to me. Um, Hugo and I worked together. So I actually kind of wanted to go back to work. That's not always mm-hmm. the case for everyone, but I really wanted yeah. to go back to work because everyone there knew him and loved him and knew knew me and loved me. And to me, yeah. it felt like a healing, healing, but painful place to go. So I went back to work about six weeks afterwards yeah. and, you know, I couldn't have had a better family at work to support me. And a lot of people don't have that either, but then there, for me, it was a hollow stage. I think a lot of us go through this, which is where everyone thinks we look fine and we right. do kind of look fine because you're back we're to life it done right yeah. yeah the to-do list is being accomplished and and we're going through the motions but we don't feel fine and we definitely right. don't feel strong and so i went through a really hollow what is what is really happening in my life kind of phase and like what do i even want to do with this life realizing at a deeper level than i had ever realized that life is unpredictable, short, precious, you know, and no offense to the wonderful people that I worked with, but went yeah. through, uh, is this what I really want to do with my life? Right. You know, maybe I'm not where I want to be and, w- and what kind of changes do I want to make? And so a lot of self-reflection and just a lot of, uh, how do I take this and, and, and keep living? Because my, my big thought kind of for a while was my best days are behind me, right? Like yeah, that, that was going to be as good as it ever got. And so you know, I had that and I should just be happy for it, but it probably wasn't going to happen again. And so I had to kind of figure out how to not believe that and believe that, that it could be possible that my best days were actually in front of me. Right. Or that being happy again, wasn't a slight on my husband. Right. So, yeah. And then I just happened to discover at that kind of that time of hollow functioning, I happened to join a coaching program. It wasn't grief specific, but it opened the door to a whole lot of tools that I didn't know existed that helped me experience my feelings and allow them to be there without eating them. So I was doing a lot of that. And then, right. And then also it helped me just learn to think differently. Yeah. And now you have gone on to help others and coach others through their grief. And I know that we have said already that grief is so unique for each person. Um, But how do you feel like, what are kind of some normal grief 
things that people are going through. Yeah. Any and all emotions. And I I really want to normalize that because sometimes where we get caught up is not actually the negative emotions. Sometimes it's the positive ones. Yeah. Right. So it's okay to feel sad. It's also okay to feel happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to feel despair. It's also okay to feel, you know, joy or hopefulness. Because I imagine that there's like some guilt around. Oh, I was just coaching someone. Yeah. I was just coaching somebody on it today. And that's her exact thought right now that she's struggling with is, you know, she has opportunities in front of her. And I asked people on the call, who else has had this thought? I shouldn't be happy without him. And almost everyone, right? I shouldn't be happy. And so we just have stories about what it means to be happy after loss. And a lot of times in that results in guilt. Yeah. Or, or we, a lot of really, really common is self blame. Mm -hmm. Right. So, because I think it's, humans want, we want to exercise control. We want to believe that we have control over things. And so it's sometimes a lot easier to blame ourselves for something bad that happened, right? Because even though the blame feels bad or to blame someone else and feel angry, even though that feels bad, it makes us feel more powerful than to accept that bad things just happen and that we don't have any ability to control that. And that also bad things could also still happen in the future. And so that's something that I see a lot that we have to reconcile is really being able to to discern what can I control and what can I not? And can I make peace with what I can't control while still maximizing what I can? Yeah. And so that's all. I see that a lot too. Yeah. And now going through grief, grief while parenting. Yeah. That seems like such a huge feat, right? It yeah. can seem probably, how will I ever do this? <laughs> How will I, I know, yeah, how, will how I do I get that? out of bed when I don't want to mm-hmm. and continue to show up for these tiny people that mm-hmm. rely on me? Right. Yeah. Um, how was your journey and how is the journey with the people that you're coaching through yeah. similar situations? How do parents navigate grief while parenting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good question. And yeah. I see a lot of struggles with it. And I experience many of them myself. I think more parents, more often than not, mm-hmm. they are able to get out of bed and they are able to, you know, put one foot in front of the other and take care of the things because they know yeah. that the children need them. Have but them. Yeah. but what they are less able to do is to take good emotional care of themselves as yeah. they do it. Right. Right. So there's just kind of this idea that we can't be well until our children are. And it's usually the exact opposite of that. You know, we, we have to take care of ourselves first. It's like so cliche about, you know, putting the oxygen mask on yourself first, but it's really just so true. You got to model those things, you know, you got to model what grieving and overcoming. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, as horrible and hard as that is, right? Yeah. And what did you learn about that growing up, right? What did you learn about (laughs) how to feel sad feelings and go through grief? Like probably not much. Yeah. So, so because I think we want to cut ourselves some slack too, because we, we, we don't really live in a very grief aware culture. We don't really talk about feelings a lot or, or have, you know, the skill set of how to allow feelings. So we end up with a lot of these myths, right? That we should, you know, not be sad in front of our children or not talk about it in front of them or try to be strong or, you know, hide yeah. it. And, and that's usually the exact opposite of what we actually do want to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and we have to recognize that it, it's truly research shows that how we do as parents directly impacts how the children in our lives will do. So self-care for us 
is caring for our children, right? right. It's not, I put self-care on hold while I take care of the children. It's I, I prioritize self-care so that, right, I can take care of the children and role model for the children. Yeah. Yeah. So is that what you did while grieving and parenting? Is really yeah. prioritized your self-care? Um, yeah, as much as I could. You know, I've learned a lot since then. And had I had the opportunity to go back and do it differently, there are, of course, things that I've learned since then that I would do differently. Yeah. Um, but but I do think I already kind of never really bought into the idea that feelings were problems. Yeah. And so I didn't <clears throat> try to hide that from my children. And I, yeah. I really did want to talk about him and tell stories and let them talk about it and um, and that I think is all very helpful, right? Is, is listening to your kids and letting them talk about it. I mean, of course, role modeling feelings, but my little guy, he was nine and he's kind of always been the, this like empathetic one who would be like, mommy, you seem sad. I need to make yeah. you happy, you know? And so yeah. just kind of role modeling. No, it's okay that mommy's sad and it's yeah. not your job, buddy. You, you can't make me happy. That's mommy's job to make me happy. But it's also okay that mommy's sad and it's okay if you're sad too. Yeah. Right? Some of those those little conversations I think are like the most powerful in terms of helping. Yeah. Helping How them. do we navigate grief, I guess, like with our children or walking them through the loss of a loved one, whether it's a parent, a grandparent, mm -hmm. you know, someone close to them? Because I think we don't really think about these things until they happen, right? And then it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, what, what am I doing? And yeah. you know, how can we kind of set ourselves up to help them with their grief process or explaining death to them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably the the number one question people have. Usually, they've yeah. already answered it by the time they get to me. Usually, because right. I, I don't meet them until a long time after the loss, usually or months right. after anyway. But it's like, how do I tell them? You know, what do I say? How do I tell them when is the right time? Yeah. And that there is no right time, right? right. Whatever you decide is probably going to be the right time. But also, right. I think it's better if you if you tell them directly, as opposed right. to letting them hear about it from, you know, other family members or friends or, or social media, you mm -hmm. know, that's no joke these days because kids, even little ones often can be more connected than we think that they are. Right. And so hearing it directly from us matters. I also think the language that we use matters. So not depending on the age of the child, but especially with younger children, you yeah. don't want to say things that aren't specific. So for instance, if you say we lost daddy, well, to a child, what does that mean? What does right. That mean right? right. I lose or, my toys all the time. So is it like right, that? Exactly. Right. right. Or yeah. they got sick and died. Okay. Well, next time I get sick, am I going to die? Right. Right. So yeah, let's be really specific. Be really yeah. Let's use, yeah. let's use terms. Let's not like cross over or passed on, but died. Right? right. And if there was a disease or an accident or something specific, let's be honest about it. Um, truth or lack of truth will bite you in the butt. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you, and I've seen this a lot with uh, death by suicide, right? where because you think that you're going to damage the child or they're going to think badly of their parents, whatever, you're not honest with them and right. the child will, will find out. And so it's, it, I think it's best just to be honest and upfront in the most age appropriate fashion, but don't make it confusing. Don't make it nebulous. Don't make it open for interpretation because yeah. that's where the child's brain will go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's part of it. I also think a huge part of it is just knowing that it, feelings really aren't problems. And, yeah. and when your child is hurting, your inclination is to take that hurt away. Right. But how that's received is that 
it, it minimizes the hurt, right? When we try right. to tell someone, oh, don't feel bad or it's going to be okay. Or, you know, what I always heard as the widow was you're young, you'll find someone else, right? You have a yeah. lot of living left to do. And so what you hear is I shouldn't feel bad. My pain doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. I should feel some way other than I do. Yeah. So, so acknowledging to your kids that it's okay to hurt and however you feel is okay. Right. And we don't have to right. change that. And I'm not trying to take it from you, but I'm listening to you and maybe I'm reflecting it back to you. Right. And I'm telling you, Hey, you know, it sounds like you, you feel really sad that, you know, dad's not here for donuts with dad day or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, know. and letting them be that's heard. A really but, important thing that you're talking about is like really sitting with them with their emotions whether it's something serious like grief or they had a bad day at school or yeah. you know what I mean? Like really being yeah. able to sit there, you're not going to be able to change everything that happens in their life. You know, if they get left out on the playground, if they lose a parent, mm -hmm. you know, there's all kinds of things that you cannot change for your kid, yeah. but being able to sit with them and their hurt feelings and their sadness and their anger, you know, yeah. And just being there and being the connecting piece is so powerful as a parent, I think. Yeah. 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 And just like acknowledging that how they feel is valid instead of, yeah. you know, oh, don't be sad that, you know, dad can't come to donuts with dad because, yeah. you know, Uncle Billy's going to come. Well, no, you know, it's okay yeah, to be sad. And Uncle Billy can still come, but it's okay. Yeah. It's totally <laughs> I know. okay to suck. Yeah. yeah totally and I love okay that both, you know, that you can have these both emotions because we have both emotions about so many things in life. I could just like think about just motherhood, right. you know, motherhood in general. I have a lot of different feelings about motherhood right? It is right. painful and it is joyful. I am yes. exhausted and I love every moment, right? Yeah. Like, and you can make you space can for have, all You can have these both emotions. Yeah. And I think like what a beautiful example of the donuts with dad. This really sucks, but the mm -hmm. dad is not here to go there. And how totally. cool that you have this great uncle that is stepping in and going with you, exactly. you know, and having this and and the both. They're so yeah. important because- they're going to be all over and, you know, kind of normalizing those things for kids early on, I think mm -hmm. is so important. Um, how, so I'm like kind of curious because your husband passed in such a traumatic way for you. And how do you navigate those conversations when it is so traumatic with a small person, you know, mm -hmm. where it wasn't, they got sick and died and, mm -hmm. you know, or a grandparent that is old and they lived a great life and you can have, you know, those kind of conversations, right. you know, it's a parent, you're small, it's not fair. You know what I mean? Like, and there's mm -hmm. a lot of these other feelings. How do you have like those conversations? Yeah. I mean, again, if I, if I could write the manual, I would, but I just think it's really just <laughs> so about being personal probably. Yeah. It, it is very personal and it is unique, but also it's just about being honest right. and, you know, to the level that you feel is age appropriate. I mean, right. I didn't, you know, it happens so fast for us right. anyway. I didn't have my kids come to the hospital, right? Yeah. Um, Hugo's stepson came and he was there. He was 17 at the time. Yeah. And, and he, watched more it all. age appropriate. Yeah. Well, more age appropriate, but still, but I mean, so that was a lot even for that yeah. age to, yeah, to, to watch. Yeah. Um, so he was the most in the loop in terms of the details, but you know, for my kids, I just told them that someone, you know, had drugs and alcohol in their system and, and hit yeah. the car. And, and that's what happened is that he yeah. died because of what that, you know, of that accident. Yeah. And what else do you, ha you know, I mean, right. Right. that's really all there is. 
Yeah. Right. So it's that there aren't like these questions later on, or they find out later on what actually happened. Right. right? Because it's going to come out. It's right. going to come out. And so right. I would rather that they hear it from the person that they most love. And, yeah. and when you become the solo parent, the mm. trust with your children is really important. And yeah. if you violate that by being dishonest, it does not right. bode well for you know that foundation of right. your relationship. So I think it's just better to be honest. Do they need every single detail and maybe the, you know, the trauma that's running around in your mind and body? No, you right. know, they don't need all that mess, right. but the facts, right. Yeah. The facts without the, the drama. Yeah. And now a brief pause in today's episode for a word from one of our sponsors. Did you know that there's an organizing app designed just for families? It was even named the must have app for a better life by the today show. Here's how it works. Cozy tracks everyone's schedules and events in one place with a shared, color-coded calendar. Cozy even reminds others about events so you don't have to. It's easy to get started. You can even pull in your events from your family's personal, work, and school calendars. And the best part, it's free. Simplify your week even more by planning weeknight dinners ahead of time. Use Cozy to discover new recipes inside the app, save recipes from across the web, and meal plan for the entire week. You can even add all the ingredients you need for each recipe directly to the Cozy shopping list. It's all free and Cozy. Just download Cozy from the App Store. That's C-O-Z-I to get the free app today. And let's get back to today's episode. So Krista, let's talk about, I guess, you know, we have this horrible thing. We're going through grief. And now we're trying to find joy after grief Mm -hmm. or joy and grief, Mm -hmm. you know, because we've kind of talked that this grief is linear. It's going to be something that you carry with you. How do I find, how do the moms listening here find joy again, find happiness again, allow Mm -hmm. themselves to find happiness again? Yeah. I think that's the first thing is just (laughs) acknowledging that there might be some allowing that has to be done. You might actually have to give yourself permission, right? right? And look at what, what's holding you back. It is probably something about, you know, disloyalty, right. Or Mm -hmm. abandonment where, um, if you are happy again, it means something about your love for your spouse. And I just assure you that it does not right? It just does not, but it's a really common thought that we all have that, oh, we shouldn't be happy or, oh, we shouldn't, you know, really be loving life again because that means we weren't a good wife or we we didn't love them enough or we're disloyal or we're leaving them or abandoning them or all of that. So watch, watch for your brain to offer that stuff for you, to you, (laughs) because it will. (laughs) Um, And just, you know, it's normal, but you also don't have to listen to that stuff. And, and you really can, you know, decide to create something different for yourself. I also think it's a kind of harder thing to do, but important is to acknowledge that because what happens, here's what happens. When you think that your happiness was because of your relationship, yeah, then it's really hard to imagine being happy without that relationship. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of value in going back and understanding that all the all the things that you have in your life, you you have created those, right? You created that amazing relationship. Yeah. It didn't just happen to you. And the happiness that you experienced in that relationship wasn't just because of that other person, right? It was because of how you viewed them and how you treated them and how you showed up in that relationship. And if you can start to see the power that you have in terms of what you've created in your life already, and you start to see yourself as the creator of your life, yeah. 
then you can start to, to leverage, right. To bridge that gap and go, okay, if I created it before, right. If, even though he was amazing and wonderful, if I created that relationship before and I create my own joy and, and because that's what, what I believe is true, then could I do it again? I bet I could. Right. It's, and, and we give credit where credit is due. Not that he wasn't wonderful, but to us as the creator yeah. of that life. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can do it again. Yeah. Right. And you don't even need a relationship PS. <laughs> right. Right. You can create just a wonderful life, solo parenting. And you totally yeah. can. And a lot of people come to and me after they, they yeah. haven't. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people have tried to, you know, have assumed that they needed the relationship or thought, gave credit to the relationship and then jumped into another one or jumped into the one that wasn't right for them. And yeah. then later went, wait, what's, you know, <laughs> uh, this isn't working. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know. Krista, before we wrap up, how can people like myself who have not gone through grief, losing someone close, how can we be helping and supporting those who are grieving, who are going through a loss, mm -hmm. especially the moms around us who mm -hmm. are have, maybe have lost a partner, um, lost somebody really close, and are going through this hard time, find themselves solo parenting maybe. Mm -hmm. I know that you kind of talked about... Um, one maybe not helpful thing that was said to you was that you're really young, you'll find somebody else. So we can add that to our list. I'm sure that there's yeah. some others that you could share with us. Don't say these things and do these things. <laughs> so yeah. if you could give us a little to-do list. So I did a whole be more supportive friends. Yeah. I did a whole podcast yeah. episode on this called for those who love us. Um, yeah. So you could, you could, you know, check that <laughs> one out. Find that. Yeah. Too, but um, yeah, anything that minimizes or anything that is comparative in nature, yeah. right? So it, because as humans, we want to connect and we want other people to feel better because we don't know how to feel good when they feel bad. So we're trying to yeah. make them feel better ultimately so we can feel better. So then we'll say things like, well, when my aunt died or when my cat died or when my such and such died, and we're genuinely trying to relate, but again, right. it's heard as minimizing, right? Yeah. It's it, one of the things that will send a widow into like, extra outer space launching is comparing divorce to a death. Like, well, when my, you know, but, but so we just have to understand it's not, we may have a, a very, you know, intense grief experience from our own life, but any attempt to compare it to what the other person is going through usually isn't received as we intend it. So right. just steer clear of that whole thing, right? This right. sucks. I love you. I'm here for you. Right. Yeah. Um, know that depending on where they are, if it's, if it's early on, they might not be able to even know what it is they need or articulate what they need. Even yeah. if they wanted to ask you for help, they might not know what they need. So I think for me, it was really helpful when my friends just jumped in. Like I had friends jump in. One friend went and just bought all the school supplies for my kids. Yeah. Just didn't, just did it right. She's text me. I'm, I've got school supplies you're taking care of, you know, some other friends, just ask, can I, we're going to mow your lawn. Is that okay? Right. They just came and they mowed my lawn. So little things like that, yeah. right. Where you can just, because you can't really, you don't even know what planet you're on. So, um, just jump in. And then also later know that there's this common phase where everybody rallies and it's like people come out of the woodwork with food and cards and flowers, but then there's this place where people forget you. 
stop, right? I know. They stop coming. And that's when you start feeling alone. Everybody else's life has gone back to normal. And your friends probably feel like the outcast. They no longer think they belong in your social circle. They think that you've forgotten them, right? You might be like, oh, do I invite them to come out? Because maybe they don't want to. And just keep inviting. It's the little texts, the little communications, the, hey, I'm here if you need me. How's your day going? I love you. No need to respond, but just thinking of you, right? Long after that matter. And and the inclusion, it's really hard to see yourself as belonging. And alone. Yeah. It's very isolating. Yeah. And the moment your, your brain starts looking for evidence of how you don't belong, that's all it sees. And right. so, so they, even though you might think they totally still belong, sometimes they have convinced themselves that they don't. And yeah. so they might not be responding to your requests, but please don't give up on them either. Right. Because right. they might just, they, they might need a little extra love and encouragement. And right. like you said, you know, there's, there's no, no need to try to make them feel better. Just be there to witness what it is that they're going through. Yeah. You know, I can definitely see how the comparisons are not helpful. And, you know, I wish that (laughs) there's like these moments all the time that I feel like us as humans, we just like want to connect and we Mm -hmm. do these things to people. And you're just like, why would people say that? They just, you know, and they I just, know I don't what know. they do. Yeah. Like, we don't mean it. I mean, if I look back I at know. all the ways I've responded over time before I you know. go died, I'm sure I, I said and did things that I wish I hadn't, but you just don't know until you know. So we also need to cut ourselves some slack. Right. 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 You yeah. know, and I just, I love that you have that circle of friends that jumped in for you oh and gosh. mowed the lawn and bought the school supplies. Like that made me tear up, you know, cause it's yeah. just like, how many moments in your life do you feel alone sometimes? And just having that person that yeah. jumps in and does the thing or drops the coffee at your door when you're not feeling mm-hmm. your best, yep. those people matter so much. Yeah. And when you're going through something horrible, those people, like you'll never forget them. You know, It's true. Those are the things yeah. I remember the most. Even just yeah. a friend that said, hey, I'm going to go to Barnes & Noble. Do you want to go with me? Yeah. Right. There, we didn't even hardly talk. We just, she just got me out of the house. Yeah. And, and let me be, a, let me be a normal human. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that, yeah, it meant so much. And yeah. so sometimes the littlest things actually make such a, a you so know, an everybody impression. go do something super kind. It doesn't even have to be this big thing. You know, I think that we think that we need to, oh, if only I could like afford to do this and that for somebody else. You know, something just so simple mm-hmm. as inviting them to go along with you. Yeah. How, how special. Yeah. yeah. So everybody go do something nice for somebody. Krista, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your Absolutely. story and all of your insight into grief. Um, I know you said these aren't easy conversations and I am so appreciative of this conversation. I'm so appreciative of your vulnerability and your willingness to share and thank you. Um, Where can my listeners find you? Yeah. So um, coachingwithkrista.com is probably the easiest place. That's my website and it's got all the social links. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Life Coach Krista or Coaching with Krista. And then my podcast, it's called The Widowed Mom Podcast. And obviously it's designed for widowed moms, but if somebody's wanting to know more about grief, you know, it's a really valuable resource. I think how to support someone because grief really isn't just death, right? Grief grief is so much more than that. And and, yeah. 
Yeah. Krista, thank you so much. And cheers to a better grief. Right? I love it. Thank you, Abby. Thank you.